front of the big board was a nightmare scenario for nearly 200 passengers on a frontier flight heading from Philadelphia to Tampa. They say they sat on the runway for at least three hours with no heating or air conditioning and only one cup of water only to find out later on that the flight was canceled. This is awful and this is irresponsible. Machi Fleece says his flight to Copenhagen returned to the gate twice but left the passengers on the plane without air conditioning for three hours. Now take a look at this video spared. Canceled nine flights today. Passengers were so irate that BSO deputies were called and lined up behind a Spirit airline counter. Three Chicago airport security officers dragged a man from his seat after the airline chose him to give it up and he refused to budge. One passenger says the man somehow reboarded and was taken off again, this time on a stretcher. Yes, air travel is stressful. It can be exhausting and sometimes demeaning. But what if your local airport, the one that you fly out of and into the most often, were a model of customer service? What if it did everything it could through thoughtful touches and digital innovation to ease your journey from your car to the jetway and back again? What if your local airport was actually the best functioning part of your airplane travel? I'm Chris Satulo, and this is 20 by 70, the Committee of 70's scrappy little podcast for people who expect more from Philadelphia. And as this episode of 20 by 70 taxis down the runway inside the Wexler studio at Writer's House on the Penn campus, here's the question we're posing. What if, what if we demanded more from PHL, the Philadelphia International Airport, that maze of terminals, runways, ramps, and garages nestled between Interstate 95 and the Delaware River. Also, what if the people now running PHL were eager to deliver more? Would you believe me if I assured you that this is precisely the case right now? If I told you that PHL is under new management, eager to do new things and get better? Scoff if you like. But the Committee of 70 has spent much of 2017 testing that hypothesis, and we're finding that it holds. Under CEO Rochelle Cameron, PHL seems determined to lift its service standard and rise up in those annual J.D. Power rankings of America's airports. Now, under an innovative new program of civic consulting called the Franklin Challenge, the Committee of 70 has been working with the leadership team at PHL to help them solve three thorny puzzles of customer service at the airport. On this podcast, you'll learn more about this effort from David Thorberg, 70 CEO, and from two young civic leaders who volunteered their time and expertise to this effort to help PHL soar. First, let's bring in David to help explain the effort. Hey, David. Chris, howdy. So, the Franklin Challenge, what is it? Well, this has been a uh, little bit of a conspiracy, as you know, that you and I have been talking about for about a year. And essentially, the idea was to see if we could bring together some really creative, uh, impatient, innovative folks from the Philadelphia region to apply their talents to solving some set of problems at a, an institution or an asset in the region that we care about. So that's how we end up at the airport. Right. And so to enormous credit, uh, Rochelle Cameron, who commonly goes by Shelley, Shelley Cameron, uh, talked to us about this, heard about the Franklin Challenge, and actually um, with 
a sort of visionary bit of bravery, said, yeah, we'll, we'll volunteer to be the guinea pig for that. So we had conversations with them, and they identified three areas uh, under the overall umbrella of customer service where they wanted some help. And they, those three were? Well, those three were. One is to improve the quality of the place uh, at the airport. I mean, you pointed out that people's uh, air travel experience is punctuated by uh, intense anxiety and long stretches of boredom. Right. Anxiety from wherever you, however you got to the airport, the, yeah. you know, the, the SEPTA train platform or the garage, uh, into the check-in and definitely through the TSA security check. All of that wondering, am I going to make it in time? How long is it going to take? Then once you're through TSA, it becomes yeah boredom. Right. <laughs> Unmitigated, unrelenting boredom. So, you know, both of those could be helped if the if the place in which you're experiencing those emotions um, is more supportive, more conducive, helps you through the process. So two, uh, the second pain point, as it were, uh, was to figure out how they could improve their use of uh, social media to build a more robust and supportive community among people that uh, travel through the airport. And actually, the, the origins of uh, this project, which we dubbed Project Runway, pause for applause and <laughs> chuckles, uh, was at a, a lunch uh, that we were at with Shelley, and she started telling the table that that was a real pain point for them, that they felt that on Twitter um, they were blasted constantly as an airport for everything that could possibly go wrong um, with a traveler's experience. It could be the pizza was cold. It could be something that the airlines did. It could be something that the TSA did. But it was all lumped into, oh, that right. that Philadelphia airport. It's right. a problem. And many, many of the things that people were talking about on Twitter weren't actually yeah. um, the fault of the people who run the airport. Right, which actually leads us to pain point three, which is uh, how Shelley and her team could better engage not just their 800 employees, but uh, the 20,000-some people who work at the airport, whether it's for the airlines or vendors or TSA or whatever. So uh, the sense that, you know, could these 800 people properly engaged turn those 20,000 folks into kind of constant sources of uh, uh, support for travelers coming through the airport. Okay, so that's the problem. Then what's the approach? Uh, what was your thought in terms of setting up the Franklin Challenge about how you could help Shelly Cameron and her team think through these three challenges? Yeah, well, um, I've over the years had all kinds of uh, experiences and many thoughts about how you can innovate in public sector context, which is a hard thing to do. I mean, this is sort of the Mount Everest of problem solving. This this go, I think, has is particularly uh, and potentially very productive in that, as I said, we're gathering people together from the community who are volunteers. Nobody's getting paid here, um, but who want to contribute to uh, improving some particular asset like the airport. Um, and hand-selected, you know, uh, you and I have uh, pretty good networks over the years, so we found people who brought fresh approaches uh, from similar experiences and, and, and also knew something about government and, and the limits uh, and the possibilities of government. So this wasn't, you know, kind of, uh, you know, McKinsey consultants flying in from somewhere, dropping a big, thick report, getting a bill and then leaving. These are people who were rooted 
uh, in Philadelphia, but also brought fresh ideas and and um, new ways of looking at things to the to the problem. Right, and really enthusiastic, even in some cases, uh, clearly passionate about the idea of helping the airport. So. I think between the two of us, you and I called maybe 20 people to invite them to give up several days of their lives for free to help the airport. And we got uh, 18 yeses and two, well, can't do it right now, but it sounds like a great idea. Right. And as you know, we were particularly interested in bringing some younger voices uh, to the crowd, uh, those maybe who hadn't been uh, – you know, build up calluses uh, to these kinds of experiences. And so that was great, too. There was some, uh, some call it youthful energy and impatience that we were able to bring to the uh, situation. Yeah, we, we were aiming to uh, generate intergenerational wisdom. And, you know, based on uh, the results of the recommendations, also the feedback we got from the group, that was one of the most rewarding pieces of the experience of Project Runway was that sense, you know, for the younger people, the millennials, we have a place at the table yeah. and it's an equal place. And for some of the older dogs there, wow, there's yeah. really some talent yeah. coming up. The, the other thing, you know, relative to the approach is that we were trying to put to work uh, what folks have called design thinking. And maybe you can talk about that, but I thought that was a really uh, particular uh you know, useful angle that we brought to it. Right. So uh, we definitely wanted people to use the principles and the techniques of what's called user-focused design, which begins with the experience of the user and definitely not just um, the logistics of it, but the emotions people experience. That's why, you know, we were talking about boredom and anxiety as the, the two emotions that we want to manage, mitigate, reduce, handle. Um, and that was another reason um, for some of the younger people we invited in, because people like Brad Bear from Blue Cadet, um, Jeff DeMacy from Punk Avenue, he'll be delighted to hear that he's still young. And the two people the two people we'll be talking to in a moment, Stephen Frank from the Wharton School, who runs social media there, and uh, Lauren Hughes from the Arden Theater. That's the approach they bring to their work. They're steeped in user-focused design. They think about it all the time. And so they brought that understanding to the group. Meanwhile, you know, we had some um, older hands with real depth of experience. Carol Johnson, who was COO of Allied Barton. Alan Greenberger, trained as an architect, um, served as deputy mayor for planning and economic development Um under Mayor Nutter, where the airport was under his purview, Paul Steinke um, and Anuj Gupta, both of whom have run the Reading Terminal yeah. Market. Paul's now moved on to preservation. Nancy Goldenberg from the Center City District. Right, Nancy Goldenberg, who basically invented the, you know, you know, the Center City District, which invented placemaking in Center City, Philadelphia, as well as taking. Um, on a real customer service problem, which was how people felt about, you know, the city back, particularly Center City, when it was uh, not navigable and pretty filthy. Right. And now it's very easy to get around and very clean, yeah. thanks to Center City. You know, one other thing about the the, the concept, I guess, uh, which I was really pleased to see play out, is that involving these people, asking their advice, you know, putting them to work, builds in stakeholders for the airport. I think this gave Shelley and her team a chance to talk to them about the challenges and opportunities at the airport. Those folks, you know, they put in three or four half days of their time to work with Shelley and her team, and they, they emerge as both uh, better informed and uh, more passionate stakeholders in the outcome. They want to see this stuff happen, which I think can help build positive momentum. Yeah, David, that's exactly right. And so you know what? Um, why don't we talk to two of these civically-minded Project Runway participants who've joined us here in the Wexler studio on the Penn campus. 
Stefan Frank is the Director of Social Media at Penn's Wharton School. Lauren Hughes is Director of Development at the Arden Theater. Welcome, guys. Thank you. Thank you. So, and this was very gratifying to me, um, both of you, when called, agreed to step up and serve as volunteers on Project Runway. Lauren, why? Well, Chris, we worked together when, you know, I was at WHYY and Newsworks a long time ago. And, uh, you know, I was really intrigued with this project because it was bringing together so many different people across so many different industries and, you know, people who, uh, some of the folks which I had, you know, come into contact with, you know, throughout my various roles, you know, in organizations across the city, people who I was, were re- was really impressed by, people who, you know, I um, really respected. So I was very much interested in being in the room where it happened to bring a theater reference <laughs> into it. Right. Stefan, how about you? Well, similarly, uh, you and I have a, a work history and relationship. So when you called and, and asked me to do, to do you this favor, I said, absolutely, if you're involved, it's got to be a great project with a great civic uh, dimension to it, which is important to me. So You're, you're aware you're not getting paid for this. I, oh, I'm very aware. <laughs> um, yes. But, but you were pretty enthusiastic about helping the airport, too. Well, I, you know, social media is a discipline where you're challenged and learning new things every day. It's evolving so rapidly. So when there's an opportunity to learn from other mm-hmm. uh, thought leaders in, in the city or in the space, I jump at it because I always have things I can learn. But I do think that there's things I can offer as well. And as a transplant to Philly, but really someone that has embraced and loves the city, anything I can do to help it and its profile and perception, um, I want to be a part of it. So um, that sort of sets up the fact that you were part of the social media team um, and took a look at uh, what PHL is doing with social media. And as we've mentioned before, that was the point of origin of this whole project. Shelley Cameron in a conversation with David Thornburg and I saying, this Twitter thing is driving us crazy. So talk a little bit about what the challenge is for, for the airport well, on the, social. Sure. They're, I mean, their challenge isn't unique. They, they know that there's a great opportunity on social media, but uh, they're understaffed and under-resourced there. So where to begin, um, how, to, how to set sort of reasonable expectations and benchmarks. That was, that was our job, is to help them understand what they're doing right and, and to um, invest more in those areas and explore some things maybe they haven't tried, um, just to make sure that what they're doing is working. The thing we refer to in the business and in the industry is social proof. You know, do they have proof that what they're doing is worth their time and energy, and is it working for the brand? So we really stepped way back and uh, made no assumptions about how they operate or who's pushing the buttons, but just uh, as consumers, as um, travelers, uh, as as folks who follow the brand, um, you know, how can we help improve things from a resource standpoint and also just from a vision standpoint? Where do they want to be um, in the future if they're doing social right? Having been in the room for some of those discussions, I, th- I think I could summarize that um, there's a huge challenge because whenever anything goes wrong in the vast airport complex or with any of the airlines or anything, people take to Twitter and basically it's PHL that's that's getting the message. And I think you guys found that they have some very dedicated, serious people working on her doing some things right, but also kind of beating themselves up. Um, because they're trying to do things that are impossible. So you tried to adjust their effort a little bit. Right. In certain ways, they were their own worst enemy because they wanted to solve every problem, put out every fire, and not all of them are their responsibility or even, you know, things that they can control. So the goal going into it was, you know, what can you control and what can you facilitate? Um, Can you convene conversations or extend conversations based on your purview? You can see across the airport and all the various um, you know, contractors and staff who may or may not report directly to to their CEO. Um, but what are the ways that you can connect to the dots for the passenger or traveler in a timely way? And what are the things you can sort of step back and let go of um, and allow someone else to handle? 
Um, so that was really one major challenge. They really have, have devoted themselves to, to Twitter, but are there other channels they can use that tell fun stories, engaging stories that may take people by surprise or do something for the brand that people didn't anticipate. And I think that's where you can really generate that social capital or that equity um, for your travelers, especially people who live in Philadelphia and use the airport so frequently. Is there a way that they can change hearts and minds? And SEPTA was one um, analog that they pointed out to a lot. They really were taken by their transformation on social media. And part of that is humanizing it and telling stories when there isn't a crisis so that when there is one. Um, they've built up that trust and that empathy. And sometimes when you do that, people are a little more forgiving um, than if you're not doing that on a regular basis. So in terms of this drinking from the fire hose problem that they have with all these complaints, can you give an example of how you might prioritize, let's deal with this one and maybe push a little, uh, handle another one differently? Sure. Well, the example we got a lot was lost baggage. And we know the airport itself doesn't manage the baggage. That's the airline's responsibility. So oftentimes, um, you know, someone will complain to the airport and they'll respond on Twitter um, and tell them to reach out to the particular airline. And, and that's sort of the end of the conversation. So that's an opportunity we see as not to follow through on the bag and did you get the bag and did the airline do what they were supposed to do? But it's, so where are you going? Or what brings you to Philadelphia? Or is there anything else I can do. Asking a question then opens the door to some possibilities. So it's not necessarily always a matter of prioritization um, of which which tweet you respond to, but how do you respond to it? So that help the, that helpful tone in continuing the conversation. Yeah. What's the ROI for the airport? Mm -hmm. You know, solving the bag issue once you make that handoff is that necessarily going to change that passenger's perception of the airport, or is it you know that extra mile? So that was something that we tried to to instill um, in the conversation was you know what opportunities are there. Uh, and again, it goes back to partnerships. There's content that you can curate day over day, month over month, year over year um, that can help answer those questions with suggestions or tips or recommendations for Philly. Yeah. So you're offering some positive help to somebody who's on the PH. You know, basically it's hashtag PHL. People will go there and look at it. So more than one person is watching that conversation, not just the person with the lost bag. They're looking to see how you respond and is there helpful information you can put out that other people can respond right, to. Right, because there are supporters of the airport just yeah. as there are detractors. So the supporters see that, they're going to amplify that and they're going to pat you on the back and be your champion. So give them those opportunities. And talking about how big the airport is and how many people who work there don't actually work for the Division of Aviation, mm -hmm. who we were working with, sort of sets up, Lauren, the challenge your team worked on. Yeah, certainly. So, uh, you know, just thinking about the the people who work at the airport and how to bring everyone together under, you know, a unifying statement of, you know, why we're all here and what and what our purpose is. Uh, you know, it's it was really fascinating for me to to find out just how many people, uh, different organizations were represented at the airport, how many different employers were at the airport. Yeah. So um, the, the money stat, excuse right. me, is that 20,000 people working mm -hmm. at the airport have a badge. And any one of them on any given day could like either ruin or make your experience of PHL. But only 800 of mm -hmm. them work for the Division of Aviation, the people, the city-related um, organization that actually runs the airport operation day to day. So 800 versus 20,000 was part of the challenge you were looking at. Right, right, exactly. And you know, coming coming back down to the question of, of people, and you know, you're 
as a as a traveler, you go through the airport and you're you're walking down the hallway and you go up to someone because you have a problem and you don't care, you know, who that person is. You don't care if they're someone who's at a concession stand. You don't care if they're a security guard. You just want them to help you get where you're going. So that was, you know, where we where we landed. Okay, how can we bring everybody together under this unifying idea of how can we help people get where they're going and bring the bring the entire airport together under that. So, um, you know, just just exploring how we could uh, motivate and mobilize the employees under that under that one banner uh, was really interesting. So on the first day, one of the mm-hmm. things we had you guys do, we called it Mission PHL. You got to take um, a chaperone, but fairly freewheeling tour <laughs> of the airport. There were, I think, four or five different teams with different assignments. It was almost like a scavenger hunt. So talk a little bit about what you saw and experienced on that. Well, jumping into the way back machine here because it was it was a while ago. But I, you know, the things that stand out to me are things like chipped paint, right, in the garage. Um, things that you would think are are sort of easy to fix, but often neglected and make a first impression on a traveler. So mm-hmm. you're looking at this, you know, area that clearly has hasn't had much attention in a long time. So you think, okay, well, what else hasn't gotten a lot of attention in a long time? And you walk through and realize there's a lot of areas that have sort of been neglected and or just don't look as good as other terminals. There's a lot of inconsistencies going on. So, you know, for me, it was really noticing where there was a lack of parity. Um, so do certain travelers get better treatment than other travelers? Like all these things start going through your head. That's not right. a good perception as you walk into a facility. Yeah, so like people who got an assignment to travel um, terminals D and E tended to come back and say, well, there's a lot of great stuff going on here. Mm-hmm. But if you had to go to B, C, or in some cases A, which I think your team did, came back with uh, a different story. You, Steph and I recall you came back, and one thing you said that the placemaking team ended up working on a lot was you just said there's so many signs, and they're just mm-hmm. all different styles. There's the commercial signs. The wayfinding signs at the airport are actually not that bad, the black and red ones. It's just they're getting lost. Yeah, uh, it's unfortunate, too, because there are examples of really great signage and great installations. Uh, the free library installations, for example, was phenomenal. And they didn't really have to do much except put a decal on the window to block your view of a tarmac or something that's a little less, you know, um, visually stimulating. So I suggested that they look at other opportunities to do that. It was colorful. It was transparent. It just made it vibrant in a place you you were sort of drawn to as opposed to sort of repelled or scared to go into. So, um, you know, more of that uh, that warmth and that welcoming feeling, I think, would be would be a step up. Lauren? Yes, and I was on one of the the one team that I think went the furthest in the airport and ended up coming back a little bit later yeah, because we, we were just having so much fun. You were known as the Donner Party. Yes, like, yes. What happened to them? Uh, so we basically got to walk the entire airport port, and it was really interesting. You definitely saw between uh, the terminals that there there were terminals that were updated and there were terminals that that weren't, and. Um, uh, one of the things that I particularly noticed was, you know, talking about wayfinding and, a, you know, a lot of the the maps that showed you where you were in the airport, their orientation changed as we went from terminal to terminal. So if it was kind of a, you know, uh, vertical orientation for the map in one, it was flipped around for the other. So where I knew where I was in the first terminal, I was now confused in the second terminal. So uh, just a very uh, simple thing that that I noticed. Uh, and then also, we also ran across the free library installation and thought that was fantastic. However, you know, we, we were thinking too, this reminded us of, say, Spruce Street Harbor Park, which is, which is such a, a jewel of the city now in the public space. And, you know, 
but it didn't, there wasn't anything that said that, right? It seemed more Philly to us, knowing Philly, knowing what was happening in the city. Is there a way to more deeply connect uh, those interesting exhibit spaces in the airport with what was actually happening in the city? So if you saw that and you like that, okay, go to Spruce Street Harbor Park, go to the library too, so. Yeah, so I'm glad you brought that up. You know, one of the, um, the real incentives for Shelley Cameron in this project was she's been thinking a lot about making the airport feel more like the city that it's mm-hmm. the gateway to. Interestingly, the placemaking team, which, which heard her express that ambition, had some advice that came back that said, the first thing you want to do is to make sure it work, the place works as an airport place, that you're taking care of the stress and anxiety of the travelers. And the degree to which you can do that um, with Philly-like touches in the in the, the library installation is probably the best example. That's great. But don't go overboard. Um, Alan Greenberger was part of the placemaking mm-hmm. thing. It's not only in the airport context that Alan frequently says, if I have to hear one more time about Rocky and pretzels, I'm going to kill somebody. <laughs> so they were looking for, and they were also looking for a more modern version of what's great about Philly. You know, it's, it's a great foodie town. It's a tech town. It's Spruce Harbor Park. It does that kind of thing. It's not just, you know, Rocky and pretzels. And, and, and at the end of the day, that's not really the, the airport's job necessarily, but they're certainly contributing to that and can reinforce that message to people as they're landing and taking off. Um, it's funny because just, I think, last week, Visit Philly came out with a messaging toolkit, which is the first I'd seen of any sort of holistic collective vision of what we talk about when we talk about Philly. So that's another great asset. And we talked a lot about assets or partners that the right. airport can find in the city to help tell the story. They don't have to do it alone. Yeah, Lauren, that was a big thing with you. Visit Philly does a good job of that. Yes. Like team up with that. Mm-hmm. You like have some sort of force force multiplier between the two. Mm-hmm. So in the end, we produced a hundred page report, um, which they now have in hand, and then we'll respond to shortly. And then you guys are going to come back next year and see what was done. Um, of all the different things we discussed in recommendations, is there one particular thing that you really hope ends up getting done? Small, big, somewhere in the middle. Well, I I hope that. When we look back, you know, in several months to a year, that there are some wins they can point to and say, you know, we took this recommendation, we went for it, and, and we succeeded. At least we tried. You know, we took a risk. We decided that this was important enough to, you know, to put on the line. And, uh, you know, we talked, we gave a suggestion about owned content. So, what are the stories that the Philadelphia Airport can tell that they own that aren't, you know, playing traffic cop or being first responder to a problem, but how can you proactively tell a story? And we talked about lost and found because that was just the thing that popped into my head. They they showed a statistic or an image of all the things that get collected at an airport every day that are contraband or, you know, taken away from, from a passenger. And I'm like, well, but have you ever returned one to someone? What happens to that stuff? You know, has someone lost something and, and it was taken away accidentally? Or um... yeah, it was interesting. Like we, we all, this project also included doing feedback forums with staff and stakeholders at the airport. And I asked people for stories about something going right at the airport. The very first two stories that they told us, the airport employees, were about finding things for people. They're proud of that mm-hmm. when, they, when they get and, that and, and that goes back to your question, your point about you know, solving a traveler problem. The free library thing is great visually, but it's also solving the boredom problem. And mm-hmm. it's giving people a taste of Philadelphia as well. So that's like a win-win-win right there. Are there other win-win-wins they could establish? They don't have to be groundbreaking or earth-shattering. But can they look back and say, we solved a problem and had fun doing it and got some praise, by the way, some social mm-hmm. equity because someone said something publicly about us on social media? That would be, I think, a terrific victory. Lauren, how about you? 
So what I got really excited about, and this is this is related uh, to you know finding those stories. It's finding those employees who you know are the influencers for for the other employees, right? You know, just as we came together from different uh, from different sectors to to tackle to tackle this problem. You know, how can hoping that the airport works to identify employees that across all of the vendors within the organization across very uh, across the various levels uh, within you know who are the employees who are influencers for other employees how can they work together and work as a team to uplift each other and to really carry these recommendations forward so um, making sure that we identify those folks um, who can really be the champions for these yeah one members one of the members of the team you were on talked about found pilots mm-hmm. just yeah. find um, Employees are doing something great. Figure out how they did it and then spread that from there. You don't have to, like, come in from outside and say, why don't you try this? Just find out what's working. Which then becomes social media content as well. So, uh, again, Lauren Hughes of Arden Theater, Stephen Frank of the Wharton School. Before we let you go, I want to thank both of you, too. Um, You know, we were very impressed that Shelley Cameron took the risk of doing this, but we're also very thankful and impressed with how much time and energy um, the volunteers on Project One were brought to the task. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you, guys. You know, the two people we just talked to, Stephen Frank and Lauren Hughes, are both examples of young people who moved into Philadelphia, loved it, decided to stay and make the city work. You know, there's an organization for people like that, and we're happy to partner with them on the 20 by 70 podcast. The organization is called Young Involved Philadelphia. It promotes active citizenship and emerging leadership among young Philadelphians. And YIP has got a big month coming up in October. That's the time for its 8th annual State of Young Philly extravaganza. Nine days, 20 events, all designed to give us one better city. For all the information you need to savor this great set of programs, type Young Involved Philadelphia into your search bar. Well, that's it. Our latest episode of this scrappy little podcast for people who expect more from Philadelphia. As we come in for a landing, let me offer the usual thanks. To the Wexler Studio at Writer's House for hosting us. And to our able engineer at Wexler, Zach Cardner. To our producer for this episode, Joel Patterson. To our sponsoring partner, again, Young and Bald Philadelphia. And to our guests, Lauren Hughes of the Arden Theater and her partner in Project Runway Excellence, Stephen Frank of the Warden School. And as always, to Philly Civic Yoda, David Thornburg, and the rest of the gang at the Committee of Seventy. To wrap up, whether you're flying into or out of Philadelphia, or even if you've got two feet planted firmly on the ground, our concluding message remains the same. Expect more, Philadelphia. Philadelphia.